Hey all, this is Deacon Jim, and joining me for this podcast is a familiar voice if you've been following the Forefront podcast for a while. Former lead pastor Jonathan Williams returns to the Forefront podcast, but this time as the interviewed rather than the interviewer. He comes back for a casual conversation with me for a topic which is relevant to the both of us. What is it like being a parent raising kids in the church? Specifically, what is it like raising kids to believe a certain thing that you grew up believing even if you went through a period of disbelief, deconstruction, or just doubt? It's a fun but also honest conversation just about how we try and um, raise our kids to do what we think is right, what is right, and even grappling with that idea of what happens if our kids grow up to not believe what we believe, just like similarly, we grew up to not necessarily believe what our parents believed. So if you are on the path to parenthood, you are a new parent or a parent who has been around for a few years and still just kind of struggling or grappling with this question of what is it to believe and how do I raise my kids or not raise my kids to be in the church, I think this is going to be a really great conversation for you to listen to. So Jonathan Williams returning to the Forefront podcast, but on the other side of the microphone this time, uh, no softball questions to David Bazan uh, or deep theological questions to, you know, philosophers and theologians. This time you're the one getting grilled. How does it feel? It feels amazing. Uh, I'd like <laughs> to thank God for putting me in this position. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, certainly, if you have been a longtime listener to the Forefront podcast, you are familiar with Jonathan. If you are a longtime Forefront attendee, you are familiar with Jonathan. He is no stranger to the church, even though he is no longer serving uh, in, in his role as the, the pastor. But he comes back from time to time, checks in on us, lets us, uh, you know, see, make sure that we're not um, ruining the place. Um, and this time, I wanted to bring him on um, just to have a conversation with him because. You know, um, the last time, you know, peek behind the curtain, listeners, the last time I actually spoke to Jonathan was a couple weeks before my son was born. And the the topic of conversation was like, what can I expect as, you know, being a father and what sort of advice you can give us? Also, Jonathan, um, ma- uh, you know, uh, married my 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 wife and I. He served as the uh, as the officiant during our, our you know, once we had the, the actual celebration, the long story short wedding was postponed due to um, a little pandemic. I don't know if people are familiar with that. Um, but you know, uh, Jonathan has kind of been there for some significant life events and now, you know, I'm further down the line of fatherhood. Um, ideally I wanted to get this out in, uh, June cause it was like, Hey, father's day, my first father's day, it's going to be a good time to sit down and chat with another dad and be like, let's talk about what it's like to raise a kid in the church. Even if you yourself are kind of a ball of uncertainty and anxiety when it comes to spirituality and things that change. So I... That's why I, I wanted to invite Jonathan back as a guy that was not just a pastor, but also who you've gone through your own faith journey, spiritual journey, how you started out one way and there's been twists and turns along the way. And I want to start at the very beginning, basically, because um, and even like if you can re- kind of recall when it came to your parents and how you kind of like took their word or their advice or their guidance when it came to specifically kind of church like if you remember kind of going to church with their parents as a kid and like what was it what was the experience like as sort of like i imagine it was sort of similar to me where like if they said it you believed it kind of a thing like that and not really any questioning about it yeah yeah i think so first of all i'm glad to be here it's good to be back 
Better late than never. Would have liked to have talked about this for Father's Day, but you know what? Worst things have happened. It'll be sure. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think for my story, I you know, I grew up in the church, and so so church was a non-negotiable. Uh, mm. What we believed was a non-negotiable, and so so early on, I mean, I had to be there every Sunday, and from from the get-go, I never ever remember looking forward to it. I never remember wanting to go. Um, you know, as I got older, like, like I, my parents were those parents that were like, if there's a game that you need to play on Sunday or something you need to do, you can't do it. You got to go to church. So if I had a sleepover with a friend on Saturday, I had to be ready to go to church on Sunday. If I, you know, had a soccer game at a certain time, I was going to miss that soccer game uh, mm-hmm. to go to church. So I, I think like with that uh, early on, especially like I'm talking like the ages of like five to 15. I probably just grew up with a lot of resentment, a lot of resentment mm. around having to go to church. Um, and then at home, you know, it was all about God. So, you know, while I had neighborhood friends, my parents had no neighborhood friends. Their only friends were church friends. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty insular in that way. So that, that's how I grew up. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was like my whole experience. And so there were really good parts to it, but I would mm-hmm. say like the, the specific church, and rules I had to adhere to were not pleasant experiences, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense because that sounds very similar to what it was for me, uh, where, yeah, I I knew my parents had friends, but looking back at it, it's, I'm pretty sure the friends that I saw them spend time with and invite to things were their, their church friends. Like they didn't really have, they had work colleagues and they had people that they talked to at work, but really the people that they spent time with socially outside of the home were the people they met through church. And yeah, it was same thing with us. It was non-negotiable. We had, and for us, it was non-negotiable both the morning and the evening service. We oh, had wow. to go so you, you had to do the, you had to do the evening as well. So you got, you like caught like a nap in between and like or got to hang out in between. Not even that because in between the evening service and the, or, or the morning service and the evening service was, whatever chores we had to do homework that we had to do for, you know, the following, you know, school week, because Saturday was not a day to do homework. Saturday was a day to do um, home space work in the sense of there's work to do around the house. You have to mow the lawn and you have to vacuum, you have yeah. to clean a room. So Sunday was like, well, got to do homework. And then once that's done, it's time to go to church again. And the church that I went to was, um, uh, a CRC Christian Reformed Church, a yeah. a, a, <laughs> a subdivision of the RCA Reformed Church of America, and this is all the minutia that people don't really care about. But suffice it to say, when we went to church, there was maybe 20, 30 people, and I brought the age of the room down significantly when I walked in there because it was all just the old people who <laughs> wanted to request the hymns. But but it was it was non negotiable. Even after I you know grew up, went to college, moved back home. The rule was you don't have to go to our church, but if you live under this roof, you have to go to a church. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think all that's true. In fact, I, I remember like certain times going to Sunday night church when I had to. It was rare, but I had to sometimes. And it'd be like my great grandmother playing the organ. And then my, my grandfather would be like taking hymn requests. It was it was excruciating. <laughs> yep. Excruciating. Um, so I feel you. I feel you on that one. The, yeah. the one the one liberty they did allow me was when I went to church at night, if it was summer, I was allowed to wear shorts. Uh, but there was a woman who sat in the back pew who would then complain to the pastor about me wearing shorts to church. 
You're a deviant. <laughs> Just a so, deviant. So yeah, my my relationship to going to church was very much like if there's any diehard Simpsons fans out there, there's an episode where they come home from church and they're all celebrating and they and Marge is like, "Why are you celebrating?" Like it's the longest possible time before more church is when they right. return from it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good episode. It's a good episode. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I, I made friends through Sunday school and that kind of a thing, but there very much was a. And this is what it seems like you're getting at. There was basically, it wasn't just the structure was handed to you, but when it came to what to believe, it was here is what it is. It was the, it started with the figure of authority at the head of the church who was the pastor. And then that was just disseminated through elders, deacons, and your parents were basically relaying that, like, at least for me, and tell me if this was with you, there was, there wasn't really discernment or discussion. It was, this is how it is. This is what you believe. Yeah, especially early on, it, it was there was no discernment discussion. Um, yeah, it was it was it was this is going to be you're going to believe this. You're going to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the Church of Christ, which believes that you need to be submerged in water, mm-hmm. or immersed, submerged in water in order to get in order to get um, to be saved. So yep. like, that was a big thing that we had to do. And then you know my parents my parents were church planters and leaders in this particular denomination, and so. You know, we had to show up at a lot of things. And, and when we showed up, people would look at us to see what we were up to. So it was always like, make sure you're on your best behavior. Make sure that you are singing loud. Make sure that when you're in Sunday school and the teacher asks a question, you answer the right way. Um, there was a lot of like upholding reputation, especially like religious reputation. So, yeah, there was no room for, for any kind of variance or questioning or thought. That all did change for me, though. That all changed around the age of 15 because my parents changed yep um they completely changed they became like all of a sudden they were like wait a second i don't know if we believe in this anymore (laughs) um but then it yeah so so then we were allowed to question a little bit then we were allowed to to be honest a little uh, about how we were feeling i think at that point my dad was still really committed to the church uh still is to this day committed to the church but was like really intentional about saying like you know what do you think like yeah you still have to go with us as long as you live here Mm-hmm. But like, do you believe this? What do you think about Jesus? Do you do you believe in evolution? Do you believe in uh, the creation story? Like, like, where, what are your thoughts on this? And that, so that sort of opened me up and changed it a little bit once I hit around the age of fifteen. So got a little easier. So, but even before that, do you have a recollection of maybe a moment where you questioned something? And I, I don't even mean like a huge existential question in the sense of like, hey, how could the Earth be created in seven days when science says X, Y, or Z? More of even like. Um, hey, uh, is, is uncle Bill going to heaven or going to hell or just this kind of thing where like, you're told something, but like your, your, your lived experience doesn't seem like, I don't know how this syncs up. Do you have a situation like that where you can, and and you were told maybe, I don't worry about it. Or like, no, this is how it is. Like, stop, you know, not even in a cruel way, but just kind of like a, almost sort of a hand wavy. Don't, don't question this kind of a thing. Yeah. I love that. It's such a good question. It's funny. I, I use, I use this example often. Um, my poor mom, she doesn't remember it. I remember it really well. I had to be like six or seven and, you know, I grew up in Long Island. I grew up in Long Island, New York. So there's just a lot of Italian and Irish Catholics, uh, a lot of Jewish kids. So, you know, I'd say to my mom, like, mom, like all my friends who are Catholic say that, say that they're going to go to heaven because they believe in God and they are Catholic. And my mom was like, well, that's not true. You know, like they're, they're probably, you know, they, they need to be saved. Uh, so, and I knew better. I knew better than to even like broach the subject about my Jewish friends. I was like, those—they're definitely not saved. So I remember being like really sad about that. And 
like really like trying to invite my Catholic friends to church and they'd be like, I'm already a Christian. I'd be like, no, you're not like, um, you should come to my church and learn more. That's, that's interesting. I, I can't say I had that experience because in addition to going to church every Sunday, I was put through Christian school from kindergarten through high school. So it was okay. basically there, the, the, the messaging or the branding was in sync, let's say. Uh, but, um, I do remember for me, there was a, a strange moment in fourth grade and I'll always remember it because, uh, Kurt Cobain committed suicide and, even though I was a fourth grader, I listened to a lot of Nirvana and I was tuned into MTV. And, you know, sure. despite despite what my parents thought, not because they allowed it, but because they were, God bless them, they were older and kind of burdened with other things. So they were just not kind of fully aware of pop culture and sort of what was influencing things and what was quote unquote good or bad. So my brother and I listened to a lot of Nirvana. We were uh, emotionally affected when Kurt Cobain killed himself. And then I remember being being told in school well, and not specifically in this context, but like, well, if someone didn't accept Jesus into their heart, then when they die, they're going to hell. And, I, and so I'm silently thinking like, oh, so Kurt Cobain is in hell right now. And that made me even more sad. Yeah, yeah. That, that Actually, that would be hard, man. Like, that'd be <laughs> hard to think about. I haven't thought about it in that way. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, and also just, and just the, the, you know, the kind of, because I, I had an uncle Billy who is, so uh, it's, you know, a Freudian slip that I said, Hey, is uncle Bill going to heaven? But I had that kind of question too, because I had an uncle Bill. And every time we saw him at family get togethers, he was always kind of very kind to us, but you know, learning later in life, like, no, uncle Bill was, had his problems. And so just that question of like, wait, but uncle Bill is good to us. And he, he loves us. So why would he not go to heaven if he is, you know, a, you know, but he's a good person. And just these, these complex questions of, of kind of morality that started forming, but at least I was in a situation where I felt like it wasn't, it wasn't proper to ask, not because I'd be, I would be chastised, but more so because of sort of like, um, I guess maybe I should know, or um, it, it would be clear to me what what is good and what is right and what is bad would be clear to me. Huh? You know, I wonder. Like, did you want to know? Like, did you even want to know? Like, what? I don't. I don't. In my heart of hearts, no. I don't think I did want to know. You know. Yeah. I, I don't think I had the language to kind of really even form that opinion or that question. But I, I don't. I I don't think I wanted to know. You know, and we're we're putting air quotes around no here. Like, yeah, was was Uncle Bill going to heaven or hell? Questions aside of like, do we believe in those things aside? Because of course, in church, we did believe in those things. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's 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 tricky. And, and yeah, there's a. I mean, it, what's funny is like so much of today's church is still defined by all the ins and outs. These are still the biggest questions being asked. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I don't think the church is any closer to, to <laughs> properly answering them than when we were kids. So there you go. <laughs> no, you're. You're unfortunately right about that. Um, so then let's flash forward. Um, you you grow up, you meet Juby, you get married, um, you start to have the conversations about kids and that kind of a thing. When it came to the, the idea, the question of like, you know, bringing those kids to church or talking to them about church or what they believe, what were early conversations like? Were you both kind of in sync of like, yes, of course, we're going to bring our kids to church and we're going to tell them this or that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think at that point, you know, like I said, I, I had had some chances to to really process and question and you know deconstruct. You, you know, I think I had the privilege of deconstructing earlier yeah. than than a lot of people did. So I was like 
deconstructing in the 90s by the time like the late 90s rolled around i was in full progressive mode like mm-hmm. um but at that point like juby and i had still made a a, a point we, we made a sh- like uh we were intentional about the fact that like yeah our kids are going to go to church um now are, are we going to have like the same resoluteness and and like you know this the same strict kind of ideals around church no not at all so if our kids have a game or if they want to have a sleepover or something like that's going on like sure they can go ahead and miss church and and do that other thing instead i think i felt super resentful to my parents for having for having them be so strict around that so we wanted to open it up to our kids but if they you know if they were with us then they were going to go with us now Hmm. the added thing about that is by the time my kids were two and one, I was a pastor. So, you know, again, you have to go. And then, you know, just because I'm going to be there. And then we yep. went out of our way. So then we had to go out of our way when the kids had a, a sleepover, um, whatever it might be, to make sure that, that Juby could take one of them to their game or to that event or to whatever it was. Um, so we actually went out of our way to make sure they missed church <laughs> because of the, because of some of the, the struggle that we, that we both had having to go to church all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like my kids are older now, they're 15 and 14 and, and they loved it. Like they'll talk, they talk about it glowing. They're like, yeah, we had a great community there. We liked going there. We thought it was cool to be there. We liked that you were the pastor there. Um, so they had a really different experience than I did. I'd like to think it's because of our fantastic parenting, but you know, probably not. Well, and, and that, that leads into my next question too, which is that idea of what sort of deliberate steps did you take to kind of like, and now you're in a bit of a different situation as being the head of a church or at least the pastor of a church. So like of, we want to make this a, an enjoyable, pleasant experience for our kids, because certainly the church I grew up in was very suburban and, you know, it it is the rare thing that you see these days where there was a church building. And so there was church property so they could do things. And so it wasn't just church on Sunday mornings and Sunday school, but it was vacation Bible school in the summer too. They they did these things to try and kind of make it appealing to kids when all, when in, in retrospect, what it kind of is, is also, sorry to say like indoctrination at the same time where, where, you know, um, so, so like, so to kind of like, you know, Hey, we, we have a, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, how do we make it fun and enjoyable for them? And not just that thing where it's like, it's Sunday, this is what we're doing. This is what you believe. And it's like, everything is the, the, the Bible or the, the Sunday school answer. Like it's Jesus or it's God or it's love, which even at that age is probably kind of maybe what it should be too, because it's, it's simple concepts. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to talk about, um, transubstantiation to like a five-year-old. <laughs> probably yeah probably around five transitions <laughs> so, yeah you know i think indoctrination and this is going to be an unpopular opinion listen we indoctrinate our kids in every which way possible we just do sure. like if we're not indoctrinating mm-hmm. them to love jesus we're indoctrinating them to like i don't know love america or whatever you know whatever the case may be so i think we're going to indoctrinate so let's put that aside for a sec sure and i think value wise I think, I think what are the values that we have? And so when we think about the value, when we think about our values and we think about like forefront specifically, that was a church where, where I was, I had a hand in creating those values mm-hmm. and I cared deeply about them. So a lot of what we talked about was having way more questions than having the right answers. Um, not seeing God as like the arbiter of heaven and hell, but rather seeing God as, as the ground of all being that flows through all of us, that flows, flows through our relationships. Um, and just flows through the way we love one another. 
Um, you know, our church, the value of forefront was, you know, to be really justice focused, to care about the least of these, you know, to, to, you know, make sure that the poor were, were taken care of, that there was mercy. And then like a big one was just, just not only welcoming for all, but like full acceptance of all, um, full love for all, um, because you are loved by God, you are loved by people here in this church. So because of that, I, I never had an issue of saying, kids, you need to come to church because I think the values that were being taught there uh, from the top, when I say the top, I'm thinking of like the service where most of the adults are all the way down to the bottom, the basement where the kids are having their, their lessons. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. We're all going to espouse those values. And I was very comfortable allowing my kids to, to having my kids in that space because I believe in those values and I still do for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think in that situation, like, it's not necessarily like, oh, no, am I going to do the same things that my parents said? No, because I think the biggest thing is we want our kids to question. We want our kids to wonder. We want our kids to doubt. We want our kids to, to take everything, you know, as a grain of salt and continue to discover and learn and experiment and do those things. And the church allowed that to happen. So because it allowed it to happen, we were comfortable bringing those kids to church. And even with that attitude and with that approach, have there been times when it's sort of like, one of your kids was just kind of like, no, that doesn't make sense to me, or this is stupid or push back on something. And, and you kind of found yourself taking it back like, oh, well that, I mean, but that's what I think, or that's what I'm into. And, and like, and you like, you really find yourself not just intellectually kind of stumbling, but also kind of emotionally like, oh, I, I really thought that that's what you were thinking because that's what I was thinking. Huh? That's a good question. I think. <laughs> I think I'm probably more taken aback when my kids are a bit more rigid than I am. <laughs> okay. Which is maybe a little different. So I probably, maybe even to a fault, and like when they're asking the questions or having the doubts, I'm like, that's cool. Do it. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember one time specifically, my daughter must have been 10. And, and I said, you know, what is God? And she said, God's a man. I said, really? God's a man? And like that took me back, right? I was like, I thought yep. I, I thought I raised you better than that. Like, <laughs> but here you are saying that thing. And so instead of like being taken aback and being like, I thought I raised you better than that, I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Like, why? You know, what do you? Th- why do you think that? And you know, a lot of it has to do with what she sees on TV and you know sure. what other people yeah. have told her and all the rest. And I was like, interesting. Like, and then you know, just to be able to say, I don't know what that is. I wonder if God is anything. Like. Um, any kind of gender. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, and, and so it, it brought that about. Um, but I would say by and large, because my kids have grown up and have been really indoctrinated, indoctrinated in a progressive Christianity, I think, I think there's no questions, no thought. They feel safe and we feel safe. To, and I think they see us as safe people to talk to, which and I know is that different. I know that's different than what a lot of experiences are. I know. Yeah. Sure, but it but it also still ties into still the a, a kind of core concept of what most parents say is that they want to work to a certain extent so that their kids have it easier than them. And for some people, especially for like my parents, it was that was manifest in the sense of we're going to take on a second job or do things on the weekend um, for the purpose of making it so that our kids don't have to work as hard. Whereas your approach seemed much more instead of like with this progressive view of theology and Christianity, and we're going to raise them in a certain way so that it emotionally, spiritually, mentally, it's going to be easier on them to come up in this environment or even to come up through life than it was for us, where it was like, there was a dichotomy. There was white, there was black, there was right, there was wrong. And in here, it's much more instead like, 
hey, you're, you're allowed to ask why. Because um, I don't know if you got this a lot. Um, nothing frustrated me more as a child than um, the four words, because I said so. <laughs> uh, which is the ultimate shutting down of conversation, the ultimate shutting down of discussion. And not to say that I got that from church questions, but more even just like, well, how come we have to do, we have to rake the leaves instead of doing this? Or how come, you know, and it's, and it was just because I said so, book is closed. This is no longer a conversation. This is an edict, basically. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll soon discover this. You, you know how parenting is really, really tiring right now? It's like physically <laughs> tiring. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think there are times when, like, as the kids get older and they're able to think differently and they're able to communicate differently, it's still really, really tiring in a brand new way. <laughs> and so because it's really, really tiring in a brand new way, sometimes you're exhausted and your kid's like, but why do I have to unload the dishwasher? And you're like, yeah. just do it. It's because I said to do it. Just get it done. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I won't say it's great parenting. It comes probably more out of being tired. Sure. Um, but but to, your, to your point, yeah, I think there's a lot of – there's a lot of parents who maybe are afraid. They're afraid of what a question may bring. Uh, they're afraid that maybe a question will unravel something that maybe isn't, isn't all that uh, tightly held together. Um, and, and so, yeah, so you shut it down quickly. Um, whereas I think like we're just taking the opportunity to, to say, hey, this is something we value. And because we mm -hmm. value it, if, if you're gonna be here living in our house, like we, we're gonna instill that value in you one way or the other. Um, but you know, you're allowed to make your own decisions in this value. You're allowed to think about it the way you wanna think about it. And you know, we're never gonna say you have to do this because we said so. We're gonna say like, hey, we think you should do this because here's what it's teaching you. Um, so it's really about it's really about overcoming the tiredness and moving past the rigidity and being yeah. thoughtful in the way that you respond to your children. Did you and Juby ever kind of um, prepare yourselves for the possibility of, hey, we could bring them here and we could do all these things and it may get to a point where they're like, we don't believe in any of this. Um, and then if so, were you kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll be okay with that. Or, or is it just like you tell yourself you're going to be okay with that until it gets to a certain situation like, oh, I thought I'd be cool with this, but this is hard. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, think, I think when one is brought up with that either or, right, wrong, black, white, um, it's really easy for a kid to say, I don't, I don't believe in any of this and, and leave it completely. And I think a lot yeah. of people do that, and I don't want to discount that. A lot of people have been really hurt by the church, and a lot of people have been really hurt by that kind of thinking. I think what we've always attempted to do, and attempt is the key word here, um, is to hold tension in the middle. And mm -hmm. so my hope would be that my kids would always hold tension. I don't know if I believe in God right now. I'm not going to go to church right now, but I would hope they would never close the door on it. So, so I think the question is more like, have you been prepared ourselves for if our kids ever close the door on this? I don't know if we've prepared ourselves. And if I'm thinking out loud without giving it a ton of thought, I'd probably be slightly disappointed. I'd be disappointed mm -hmm. if they if they said, "Hey, like we've we've tested this, gone through it, and realized we don't want it in our lives." Um, I think I'd probably be like, "Okay, I get it," um, but there's a lot of integrity in in some of the progressive teachings of Jesus, and I would like to. I would hope that they'd be 
still have some semblance of integrity that they'd be finding somewhere else. I don't know. Does yeah. that make sense? <laughs> it, 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 it does. I mean, cause I, my, my wife and I certainly talked about it because I, I was raised in the church. Um, she was not, I mean, she, she went to church as a kid. Her, her mom went to church as a kid. There was an Episcopalian church nearby, which of course the, you know, the, the road to her, uh, heresy is paved by the Episcopal church as we all well, know. It is. It is. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a confirmed Episcopalian. I have my my confirmation certificate somewhere. Uh, um, but one of but the people I mean, my mom said was going to hell. <laughs> I, I also, you know, and I, I listened to Kurt Cobain in, in fourth grade, so I probably was, you know, the that's, the that's, path was the road was paved for me. Um, but you know, when she was at a, at a young age, she was, you know, she's always been a smart person. So like at eight, she kind of reasoned like this whole god thing doesn't kind of make any sense like how some kids do that with santa claus but she did it with you know the alleged creator of all existence yeah um and and, and so that there's there's you know but we also had the conversations early on that like but it would still be a good idea to take him to church or her you know this is before he was born but like he or her or, or them to church because there is, as you mentioned, there's a community there, especially at Forefront, there's like a supportive one. There's gonna be other parents who are who are gonna have advice for you, who have gone through what you've gone through, but also that idea of, and I hope this doesn't sound cheap or easy, but like early introductions to morality, to ethics, to how you treat people, because those ideas of those Sunday school answers of Jesus and God and love, they sound simple, but it's also like, I kind of feel like as we get older, we complicate things. Like whether, whether you believe in Jesus or God or not, um, there's kind of a reason that, it, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is like, hey, the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's that simple, really. We don't need all these other conflicting stuff or, or complicated stuff because like, hey, that person, treat them the way that you'd want that person to treat you. Well here? said. Yeah, well yeah. said. I like that. Yeah. So, so, we're, so, how have you and your wife talked about this? I know that Hale's a young. He's how old is he, nine months, ten months at this point? He he is. He just turned eight months. So yeah, he's he's a uh, he's not quite not quite um not quite nine yet. Okay. So, so yeah. I mean, what's what's that conversation look like? Being that your wife is kind of like, yeah, I don't really buy this creator thing. But, and then you saying, yeah, but not to simplify it, there's all these really, really good values and community. So what, what, where have you landed? Kind of on the, the, the part of, honestly, it's just an, an extension of the, the path we were both taking, even when we started dating, was that idea of like, we're both, in theory, believing in and working towards this idea of equity for people, justice for people, but... I got started on that path because that's no matter what the evangelical church has become in, in concept or essence, let's make it simplistic was that idea of that's what the Bible and God and love was supposed to do. Whereas she was much more approaching as like, well, that's what we do as humans, as people who respect other human beings and creation and making it a more harmonious balanced, great. Like we were, working towards the same goal, just taking different paths to get there, even yeah. though they, they merged and, and, you know, kind of, uh, there was some synergy there, especially as we got older and, and I went through my own kind of deconstruction process. So it, it's kind of that in the sense of, well, like I'll, I'll take him. If nothing else, there are plenty of people in church who want to see him. You know, I, I have, you know, I haven't really been to the last time I was at church was for, 
um, being confirmed again as as a deacon. And so, but no one has really kind of met everyone has seen yeah. the pictures. They want to see him. So like, so there's that, but then there also is that idea of like, yeah, there's going to be community. He's going to grow up if he goes there with other kids who are, if not his age and a little bit older than him going through similar situations. And I'm thinking back years ago to a forefront meeting where Mira was standing up and just kind of talking about how there needed to be changes in kids stuff where it's like, my kids are still growing up in an environment where Jesus is the white dude. And I don't want them to see that because it doesn't reflect them. So to think he could grow up in an environment too, where it's like, Hey, that person doesn't look like me, but that person is espousing yeah. things which are important to me and to people like that's that's going to be that's going to be a different situation than what i grew up in whereas we had my church had the stained glass windows of jesus being the the caucasian dude with the long flowing like brown hair you know that kind of thing like that that idea of the, the what has become sort of the white nationalist like republican jesus thing is not going to be an image he's going to be exposed to if we have any say in that kind of a thing yeah yeah no and I, I i like that I like that. There's there, and it gets back to like, again, not to oversimplify, like the diversity of it all. I mm. think I think whatever it sounds like, what you're saying is that whatever community you're a part of, it needs to be a community with diversity of idea, diverse diversity of, you know, you, all the way down to you know diversity of culture, diversity of ethnicity, mm-hmm. and all of it needs to be represented in whatever community or or, or religion you're a part of. Well, because that's that's how. That's how I found growth in my own life. You know, that's how I found my journey. I was about to say complete. That's silly. But how I found, you know, growth and progress. The next one was being exposed to ideas like, oh, well, this is not something I was I was used to. It's funny because I, I went to even I went to a private Christian college and it wasn't until college. And I took a, uh, a, a religion class there that I was introduced to the idea of like, hey, Noah's Ark wasn't a real boat never existed <laughs> but here's the ideas that that story conveys yeah um you know yeah. Uh, and just like hey maybe there wasn't there weren't two naked people walking around in a garden that pissed off god one day like uh you know maybe that's not actually how things you know it, it, it was it was a christian context which broke down those stories for me and yet is it important is what's really important the accuracy of those stories in terms of their creation or is the the spiritual accuracy of those stories which are the most important thing totally. and, and at, at the end of the day that's kind of where what i thought but it is just a matter of um i i guess what makes me anxious is the whole practicing what i preach thing and this is a very specific scenario but like yeah what if i'm walking down the street with my son when he's like five years old and there's a homeless guy and he's asking for change and i say no and he's like why didn't you help out that man and it's like ah. Uh, I don't have a good answer for this other than it's not easy for me. I think um, you're going to disappoint your kids over and over and over again. That's, <laughs> that's going to be the, that's going to just pound on it. And yes, that will happen to you in terms of there will be somebody who asks for help and your child will say, why didn't you help them? And mm. you'll feel terrible. So I would worry less about that part and worry more about like, not worry more look forward more to like the good stuff yeah there's so, there's so much good that you know the, the fact that they even know like you know it, it could be the exact opposite they could be like dad doesn't that guy need to get a job and you could be like <laughs> yeah he needs to get a job right like but instead like in some respect even still within the idea in them the idea that they should be serving and loving and so yeah why not ask you that question 
Well, and I guess even that scenario that I laid out is from the perspective of me teaching my child something and ignoring the fact that my child could teach me something, which I'm sure, I mean, your kids are teenagers now. You must be like, oh, damn, man. Like, yeah, that was that was a learning moment for me that that I don't know where that came from out of my kid, but I'm so glad it came it came out of them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they've taught me how to effectively hide 16 forks and 13 plates and seven <laughs> cups in their room without anybody seeing them. It's amazing. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think as, as I think, yeah, we're always learning from our kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think that's sort of the beauty even of, of our generation compared to the last. Like, I think we're more open to learning from them, hearing more about what they have to say and allowing them to have a bigger voice. Uh, and I think all of it goes back to like, and that's the reason that we, we keep instilling these values. That's the reason that we keep attempting to go to church. That's the reason we, you know, try to have some, some level of spiritual community um, because all of it just creates, it just creates a, a, a well-rounded, strong character kid. And I don't think that has to happen in, in Christianity. I think it could happen at anywhere. Um, yeah. So long as it espouses some of those, some of those uh, ideals. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, one thought that has brought me some peace because i mean listen i'm i'm doing this podcast as a deacon of a church and yet full disclosure day in day out i'm not really sure what i believe i I can't remember the last time i i offered up a prayer at least in the sense of what we typically think of as prayers like dear god thanks for this here's these kind of things because like i might lay down to do it and then i'll fall asleep or if i'm not falling asleep i'm like is anyone listening to this other than my ceiling? Basically, I'm not sure. <laughs> but the thought that brings me comfort is that idea of if I get to the end of all things and it turns out this whole thing, there's nothing actually to it. But I've worked towards and I've helped raise my my son work towards the betterment of others, treating them more equitably and making the world a better place. Is, is that going to be a bad thing that the path I took to get there was not the quote unquote right path? Or is it just me like, yeah, the world is a better place now than it was before. Isn't that the most important thing? Yeah, I agree with you. There you go. I mean, that's it. I think I, I would say this when I was, when I was pastoring at forefront, I think I said it two or three times, like in my preaching, I would say, you know, if I find out tomorrow, none of this is true. I'm cool with it. Like I still come back next Sunday and have church because I think what we're doing here is pretty beautiful. And I think it reflects, you know, that relationship, intersectionality, loving neighbors and struggling together that, that I think is intended. And I think it's humanity at its best. Um, we just happen to do it through the lens of Jesus. Yeah. And it, and it really is. There, there's that. Um, it's an old philosophy. I, I don't remember where I heard it. I don't know where it originated from, but that I, that there's this, situation where there's um, a bunch of blind, um, like literally blind people who are uh, standing in front of an elephant and they're all feeling different parts of the elephant. One feels the ear, one feels the trunk, one feels the leg, one feels the tail. And they all think it's a different thing based on what they're feeling. And they're all right. Um, It's just, it's their different experience. So it's like, can we, can we really be so arrogant as to believe, Hey, this one thing that has, been shaped so thoroughly by this corner of the world and this like culture can we really be so arrogant to say like this is the right way this is it everyone else is <laughs> is wrong kind of a thing um you know. um yeah we should be that arrogant 
I'm kidding. No, and I think that's it. I think I think there was one time recently. It was after I left Forefront, and you know, we we stopped going to church for a bit because you know it was nice to not have to be there every week. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think my daughter was just like, you know, if we don't go to church, is, is that going to be okay? And then I just started asking her, like, well, where do you see God? You know, where does where does God show up for you? And she said, well, God shows up with my friends. And I really like going th- to do this with them or do that. And and I come back feeling like energized and I come back feeling like I'm cared for. And I said, OK, well, be intentional about that. That's God. Right. That's that's community. That's being in relationship. That's serving one another. Um, there's God in that. So that that in some sense, if you if you think about it and are intentional about it that way, that can be church for you. And I think she got it. I don't know, but but ultimately, ultimately, like that's what I want for the kids. Like whether it be in a church community, whether it be somewhere else, them experiencing what we find, uh, them experiencing and reflecting on what we find in Jesus Christ. Um, that's it. So then I have one. I don't want to say final, but one certainly grandiose question that um, maybe you can answer it. Maybe you have opinions. Maybe you don't. Maybe this is something we all just kind of take away and think about. But this idea of like, you work so hard, you were a pastor, you helped found, find, like found a church, you brought your kids there, all this kind of stuff. And if they ultimately kind of decide, hey, I don't, you know, I don't believe in this, this, you know, I find a concept of, of God or equity or this kind of stuff elsewhere. It, it's like, and this is going to be an incredibly simplistic and almost kind of crass way of putting it, but then like, what is the whole, what's the point of even doing the church thing if we can get them there in a different way? Oh, I would probably go back to, I would go all the way back to when I said I had neighborhood friends and my parents didn't, they had church friends. And regardless of what I thought about my parents and their strict beliefs at the time, uh, their friends really, really cared about them deeply. And their friends always showed up for them, and their friends were were were, uh, you know, shared an intimacy with my parents. And I think as an adult, I found that same intimacy, those same relationships, that same care uh, in church. Um, and yeah, I found it in other places too. I have a strong group of friends who could care less about church, um, but but by and large, I found that in church communities, and. At the end of the day, I would say, like, keep going back to church or I would send, keep going back to church because I do think there's a really strong community that espouses and lives out values um, of just, um, yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I'm going to digress and I hope this works. If it doesn't yeah. edit it out. <laughs> I, you know, you, you know how I love talking about like atoms and chaos and subparticles sure. and all that. You know, the, the beauty of all those things is they're always in relationships. Atoms are always in relationships with one another. Like subparticles do different things based on the other things that are around them. Like f- physics is all about the relationships of different objects. And I think that's God, right? I think that's what God is. And so I think like not on a molecular level, but on a social level, the church is that. Like it's interrelational. It passes things back and forth. It it shares deeply um, both subconsciously and consciously uh, different parts of ourselves with each other in ways that I, I don't see happen very often. And so for that reason, like I'll always want to go back to the church community. Um, 
I, I long ago gave up the idea of like, oh, this has to be real or this has to be, this has to be right. Or the doctrine has got to be this way. I gave that up a long time ago. If it is fantastic. If it's not, there's still this interrelational interconnectedness that happens that I find absolutely beautiful. And I want it for my kids. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. And, and certainly I, I don't think that that metaphor is off base. Um, I mean, if, if we do exist as physical beings of a physical creation that a, a God has put in place, then of course the physics and the atoms play as much of a role in our existence as, as anything else. And that's why I've, <laughs> I keep, I keep trying to keep reaching out to, I want Michio Kaku. I want to get him on this podcast, especially he wrote a book called the God equation, which is on, on my bookshelf that I've read before. And it, it just is that idea of like, even science is looking for like, that thing to explain all of existence like where you know it's that's not unique to churchgoers like that idea of we we want we want to understand everything about what we're doing and why we're doing it um so there's a lot more synergy there than i think we we allow ourselves to to kind of really accept um no that's pretty good even even um what's his name uh Polkinghorn uh, wrote a book yeah, called John, John Polkinghorn, Clark's yeah. Class and Christianity. He's written yep. a bunch of books. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I believe, and, and, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis was influenced by the everlasting man and those, and it, it's all, it's, it's all a rich tapestry. Like I, I said, that as like a joke about things, but like it really is. And I, I think that's what I'm ultimately just kind of hoping that my son takes away is just this idea of like, it's all beautiful and it's all valid and you know you know we just it, it, it's all hard none of it we're, we're not going to get any of it right none <laughs> of it makes sense the best we can do is point them in a certain direction and and, and hope they follow and hope they they you know go that way or take that journey um and if they don't they don't it's their it's their life i think i think one of the best things about deconstruction and reconstruction is just seeing god as as like truly absolute love with no caveat like you know, and, and I think we always think there's got to be a caveat. There's no caveat whatsoever. And so as much as my kids maybe like deviate from the path that I would want to see them on or do the things that, that I didn't expect, like the practice of like just love without caveats or love without, you know, is is one that I think we always practice and kind, kind of comes easily. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll say this very last thing. The very last thing I'll say is... My kids were talking to me a couple weeks ago and they're like, when are we going to go back to church? And I was like, you know, I'd love to go back to church really, really soon. And they were just like, yeah, we miss it. And I said, what do you miss? And they were like, we really just miss being loved by people. And I was like, if that's it, then that's it. And that's perfect. 